0: Hey guys, welcome to the Misfits Freak Show. It's Steve and Emmy here. We got our freak show slash circus themed episode this week that we're super excited about.
1: Yeah, we haven't done a themed episode since the alien one. We usually don't do this, but we have a quick turnaround time because we're both very busy this weekend and next week. So we're recording this in the past, but it's coming out in the future. So we're talking about circuses. Kind of. It's a new dawn, so we're going to do things in a little different order. What are you talking about today?
0: So I'm talking about scary clowns, the history of scary clowns, and some examples of freaky clowns throughout history.
1: Awesome. So I was originally going to do a little background of the history of circuses, but then I just got really, really interested in reading about the whole history of freak shows, or as they were called at the time, sideshows. Actually, the term freak show didn't even exist until the 1900s, which is when they were dying out. So I focus a lot on that. And I just think it's so fascinating. Also completely tied to P.T. Barnum. He invented the sideshow. He employed people. He and some of his talent made a shit ton of money in the sideshow business. It's all really fascinating.
0: Yeah. Cool stuff.
1: Yeah. So... What have you been up to? I don't really think we have much banter because we talked like two days ago.
0: (laughs) I know. Well, it is exciting. And I told you this before we got on, but I am getting my vaccine on Friday.
1: That is awesome.
0: I'm so excited. I got off a wait list. I'm super pumped about it.
1: That is incredible. Congrats. Welcome to the team. Do you know what vaccine you're getting?
0: I think it's Pfizer.
1: Okay. That supports my theory. That's a girl vaccine.
0: (laughs) One of my good friends, who's a girl, just got Johnson & Johnson, which I'm really jealous of. Yeah. It's a one and done.
1: It is, but it's kind of cooler to have Moderna or Pfizer. That's some okay. fancy pants technology. Because the other one's just the lame way where it's just like, oh, it's a dead virus or dying virus. Yeah. This is like some awesome RNA reconstruction. You're part of history here.
0: That's true. That's but m-
1: my theory about Pfizer being a girl vaccine is my mom got Pfizer My brother's fiance got Pfizer. My aunt got Pfizer today. My cousin is scheduled to get her vaccine on Sunday, and it's going to be Pfizer. I have Moderna. My dad has Moderna. My brother has Moderna. My brother-in-law is getting the Moderna vaccine. My uncle and cousin, who are both guys, they have both got Moderna. I mean, I know it's not because I work at a vaccines clinic, and it was like 50-50 men and women going (laughs) to get Moderna, but just funny coincidence. No one I know in my personal life doesn't have it the opposite way, so...
0: Yeah, that's weird because I know that they were giving healthcare workers all Pfizer or something and then...
1: Well, wasn't Pfizer approved first? I don't really remember. I think so. I think that's why. Oh, I guess in news, marijuana is legal in New York. I mean, this is gonna be old news by the time this comes out, but literally no one's talking about this. It was approved at 12 a.m. this morning. It was all over the news when it was being voted on. I haven't seen a single fucking news report that it's legal. And it's awesome. They're expunging anyone who was wrongly convicted for possessing marijuana. And I was looking at how the taxes are going to work. It's going to be a 14% tax broken down at different levels. And I think 40% of the money is going to help out communities that have been unfairly targeted by drug laws. So also it's going to fund our schools and drug abuse programs. So I think it's a good good thing. All good stuff. It's probably going to be too expensive. I'm not going to smoke weed, but- I'm glad that it's legal.
0: (laughs) I know. And it's not going to be here for like two years, right?
1: Well, it's legal right now. But by the time that we get the infrastructure in place, it's going to be like two years before people are like selling at a mass scale. Because you have to get the permits, you have to get the buildings, you have to literally have the supply. At least New Jersey and Connecticut are also doing it. So I think that might speed things up or actually might make things even worse because we have three states in the same area that all need the same suppliers
0: Well, there's also weird laws. I was recently in Virginia. Weed is illegal there, but they had, I think it's THC-8 or THC-9. Delta-9. Yes. delta It's
1: federally legal. Yes.
0: Yeah. But it's just weed. (laughs) What I don't
1: understand, though, is why would you play around that loophole if someone pulled you over, like a cop or something, you're going to be like, no, officer, it's Delta-9. It's federally legal.
0: Yeah. You can sell it at legitimate stores.
1: I know, but- I don't know if I trust it, though, because spice is technically legal to sell at gas stations, and that stuff kills you. That's a synthetic weed that every few years, teenagers start smoking it, and we get 50 deaths in, like, a two-week span. Really? Yeah, spice is really dangerous.
0: Is it, like, wax?
1: It's, like, synthetic wax weed. Yeah, it's really dangerous. Yeah, I... It's not like a dab, but it's like a synthetic wax that every so often, I mean, hopefully that won't happen anymore because marijuana is legal. I know when we were in college, there was this like one month span where like 50 kids died from smoking spice. Yikes. Because it's like laced with like-
0: Synthetic weed is not cool.
1: You don't want anything that's synthetic in your body. Yeah. Just because drug companies tell you that it's good for you, that doesn't mean jack shit. Yeah. Male pattern baldness was not a recognized disease until Rogaine was invented.
0: Well, there are so many things like that. Nobody really thought that anyone was smelly until deodorant was invented.
1: That's the thing with these drug companies is there's this whole market. I forget exactly what it's called, but rather than creating a drug that solves a problem, you make the drug and then you create the problem through marketing.
0: I hate that. I hate anything about that.
1: We're the only country in the world where you're allowed to actually advertise prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. And it's insane. They're like, get this drug, it makes your life better. And then they list like 30 things that make your life exponentially worse. Yeah. The best example of this is there's a drug now for opioid-induced constipation that they market like crazy on TV. My parents are watching the news and my dad's like, this is the stupidest thing ever because this is not a disease that people have. This disease only exists because the pharmaceutical companies have gotten us hooked on opioids. The only reason that you need this pill to poop because you're taking too many opioids is because the pharma industry has prescribed you opioids and you become addicted.
0: Oh my God.
1: That is the most egregious one because there's no natural scenario where you have opioid-induced constipation without being addicted to synthetic opioids.
0: also with the opioid crisis, people are getting so addicted to drugs and then you're going to give them another drug.
1: I believe in vaccines. I do not believe in drugs though.
0: You've definitely taken medicine.
1: Yeah, I do take medicine, obviously, when I need to. But I don't like to take medicine for no good reason.
0: Anyways, (laughs) you want to hear about some clowns?
1: Let's actually do some announcements real quick. Okay. So due to the time constraints of this week, we are recording Dr. Z should be Wednesday night. So that will be next week's episode. Also, we are having a real life pirate on the podcast on April 29th.
0: Yes. Yes. can't a wait. pirate who
1: resides in the city of Pittsburgh
0: dun, dun, dun.
1: and doesn't use a sword. He uses a baseball bat and a leather glove.
0: If you guys catch Steve's drift.
1: Yes. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google the term Pittsburgh Pirates. Some might say he's a quite athletic man. We're having a professional athlete on our podcast, which is really cool. There's a couple quick things. We're going on the Dads on Dayquil podcast. So more on that next week. We'll let you know when. And I don't know when I'm going on because it hasn't happened yet because we're in the past. But I was asked to co-host the Page Turner and Button Masher podcast with Ty next week. I think we're going to play a pirate video game and then discuss it. So it's going to be fun. So check them out. I have no idea any details because like I said, we're in the past right now, not the future. But check us out on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook for more information. We're podcast underscore misfits on Instagram and Twitter and podcast misfits on Facebook. And then you can also find us on MisfitsandMysteries.com and sign up for our newsletter there and read our blogs. Yep. So let's talk about some spooky clowns.
0: Spooky clown time.
1: We're back. So tell me about some spooky, wookie clowns.
0: Okay. So Steve, when do you think that scary clowns first emerged?
1: 1608.
0: You're actually not far off. It was in the 1700s. Okay. That's the first actual scary clown.
1: So I thought 1700s, but I figured watch it be like 1600s. So I want, I want a little more <laughs> than I wanted to go.
0: Actually, the first clowns, interestingly enough, were in Imperial China in 2500 BC. Hmm. But they didn't look like clowns today.
1: Were they similar to like a jester in a king's palace?
0: Sort of. So it says that in Imperial China, a court clown called a Yuzi was the only guy who could poke holes in the emperor's paintings of the Great Wall of China. I don't know why that makes him a clown.
1: Because he's poking holes. God, don't you get just, it? Don't you get the joke? Being
0: fun, being cute. Poking don't you get the
1: joke? He's vandalizing artwork.
0: Yeah. In ancient Rome, they had something called a stupidus, who were basically court jesters, and they were said to be bumbling buffoons.
1: Bumbling buffoons. Yes. All right. Good to know.
0: Good intro. But the first actual scary clown, his name is Joseph Grimaldi, and he was the genesis of clowns we know today. Okay,
1: scary clowns the other day or like the modern ones with the white face paint and the silly hair and big shoes?
0: Yeah, he was very into physical humor. He had the weird face, makeup Mm -hmm. going on, etc. And interestingly enough, some people today still call clowns Joey's Mm -hmm. after Joseph Grimaldi. Oh, wow. So he was kind of the first clown and people loved him. He was the dude. Mm -hmm. he had written all these memoirs and after he died they went into his memoirs and realized that he had this total dark side and he had all of these misfortunes his wife died in childbirth and his son died because he was an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and he was doing all these crazy clown stunts and he was left permanently disabled so he would write in his Journals. His catchphrase was "grim all day, laugh all night." And when that came out, people were kind of like, "Whoa! Like this is weird." Yeah. And that's how the scary clown trope started.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So, start with a man who was depressed because his life was awful, and he was disabled from being a clown.
0: Yeah. And it was just weird to people because his whole thing was being this happy, cheery dude, but inside he was just messed up.
1: Wow. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. So now I'm going to get into some dark shit. Are you ready?
1: Yeah. We're doing some like John Wayne Gacy type stuff. Yeah.
0: That's exactly where I was headed next.
1: He is the spookiest clown.
0: Yes. So just to start out, Because I didn't know a lot about him. In Springfield, Illinois, he was-
1: Wait a second. We should redo this segment with all the tropes of a uh, classic true crime. (laughs) In April 22nd. (laughs) You had to be really monotone and quiet. In
0: 1948, John Wayne Gracie was named Man of the Year by Springfield. (laughs) Springfield, (laughs) Illinois.
1: (laughs) All right, you can go back to normal.
0: (laughs) But how weird is that? So before all this crazy shit came out, he was a very well-respected clown in the community.
1: Oh my God, I didn't know that. I just know what he did. I don't know anything about him because I am not into true crime.
0: Yeah. In 1964, he was so well-respected as a clown in the community that he was named the Springfield Man of the Year.
1: That is absurd.
0: And then those people must have looked back on it and been like, fuck his clown name was pogo and it came out that between 1972 and 1978 he had killed and sexually assaulted more than 35 young men in the chicago area
1: so was it like killed and sexually assaulted as in he sexually assaulted and killed them or like combined like their individual acts
0: i think both
1: so like everyone he sexually assaulted is also dead
0: yeah I think so.
1: Ooh, that's a lot.
0: And there are some gruesome details that I just don't feel like going into. We're not
1: a true crime podcast. It's not
0: the kind of podcast we are.
1: We don't like that stuff. Yeah. You're one of the few girls I know who aren't, like, obsessed with serial killers and murderers and rapists and stuff.
0: I mean, I'll listen to it. It's just not my favorite. I would rather have, like, a good conspiracy theory or something. Yeah,
1: I'm just not into it at all. I don't get it. I mean... I am fascinated by some serial killers, like the psychology behind it, but I don't want to know like, the gruesome details of the murder.
0: Yeah. It's weird because I love horror movies and I love mm-hmm. psycho thrillers, but true crime is its real. I'm already afraid to be alone in my apartment. Yeah. I don't need to listen to this serial killer story.
1: I know. I don't need to hear this stuff. I like the show. Um, oh my God. What's it called? You know that Netflix show? about the guy who first profiled uh, serial killers no oh my god i cannot think of the name right now it is incredibly good because it's not like a true crime but it's more of the psychological aspect and it's just really fascinating i cannot think of the name of it right now
0: interesting there's
1: only one show like that so if you google that exact description you'll find it
0: (laughs) Okay, two things. Have I told you about Murder Among the Mormons?
1: Yeah, we talked about that. Honestly, we, we've recorded so many times in the past week that I don't remember exactly when, yeah. but like two or three episodes ago.
0: Yeah. Well, I, of course, recently finished it and it was really good.
1: Yeah, I got to check that out.
0: Second one, there's this podcast called Dr. Death.
1: I think you talked about that with, I forget what exactly. Oh, remember we talked about like medical malpractice?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Dr. Love. yeah, yeah. You remember what I talked about better than I do.
1: I have a good memory, but then sometimes I listen back to things. I'm like, whoa, we had that conversation? I don't remember that.
0: No, sometimes start researching a topic and then I'm like, wait, I talked about this already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Om Seti, that woman who's oh, yeah. incarnated. I swear to God, three times since then I've been like, oh, that's a really good thing to research. And then I'm like, wait.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a pretty good grasp on what I've, I couldn't tell you what I've talked about everything but i have a pretty good grasp on it and i always try to do something a little bit different every time you know
0: yeah
1: except the cryptid attack stories because whenever we make those clips i always do really well so we're
0: mixing it up
1: i mean this is the most different one we've ever done
0: probably mine's
1: literally the history of the circus and you're talking about like murderers and stuff
0: yeah
1: (laughs) we've never done this
0: not our usual
1: yeah this is a very different iteration of misfits and mysteries but We needed a break. I think our past few episodes have been great, but we've been doing the same thing like three or four straight. We gotta mix it up a bit.
0: Well, like the Bermuda Triangle one was good.
1: That was like five episodes ago.
0: I don't know what we've even talked about.
1: Uh, (laughs) All right, let's get back into it.
0: (laughs) Okay, so then the next one I'll tell you about, there was this woman named Marlene Warren. This is in Wellington, Florida. And it's 10.45 a.m., just a normal day. Mm-hmm. Gets a knock at the door opens her door and there's a clown standing there holding a bouquet of red and white flowers and two balloons and one of the balloons has a picture of snow white on it i don't know why that's important but just to give you the full picture uh-huh. so she's like hello what's up clown mm-hmm. and the clown pulls out a gun And shoots her in the face.
1: (laughs) Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Shoots her in the face. And then just turns around, calmly gets into their car and drives away.
1: Did this woman survive?
0: She died in the hospital two days later.
1: Oh my God.
0: There's kind of a crazy backstory. Uh So the case was cold for almost two decades. And then in 2017, they finally made an arrest and they arrested this woman... Sheila Keen and it turns out Sheila was married to Marlene the woman who died Sheila was married to her husband so she was having an affair with her husband they worked at like an auto body shop together or something Mm -hmm. and they just didn't want the wife around anymore so she gets in a clown costume first of all they found out because she walked into a costume store, not around Halloween time or anything, and mm-hmm. buys a clown costume. The same clown costume that she used to kill this woman. And then the next day walks up and shoots her in the face. Like, how do you expect no one to figure that out?
1: It took 20 years to figure that out?
0: 20 years. you think and they'd I'm- be
1: like, huh, I see this weird story. Maybe we should report the r- woman who had a season purchased a clown costume.
0: And the husband is having an affair and she has a huge life insurance policy.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Like, how can you not see this? And Sheila and Marlene's husband, a month after Marlene died, got married.
1: Oh my God.
0: How has no one seen this?
1: It's like the Carol Baskin situation where she definitely killed her husband and all the mysterious stuff happened, but like there's nothing they could do or they didn't see it. Still yeah. haven't seen it despite a documentary being made about it.
0: Anyways, so yes, that's Marlene. And then I just have one more and then something kind of funny at the end to end All right. So in 2017, and you might remember this.
1: Is it Mageddon?
0: No. When all
1: the creepy clowns were showing up?
0: Oh, maybe. Wait, what is that?
1: Do you not remember our sophomore year of college? I don't know what year that was at this point. I don't feel like doing the math. No, it was like 2016, I think. Around October, people were spying a bunch of creepy clowns.
0: I mean, maybe.
1: You don't remember that?
0: Not really.
1: That was a concern. Creepy clowns were showing up all over the place, like holding knives and stuff.
0: This is probably the same thing. Okay. So in 2017, there were all these crazy reports all over the U.S. of clowns showing up. Usually it was a call made to a school in the same way that you would have like a bomb threat. Mm -hmm. But it was a murder clown threat. There were clown related arrests in Maryland, California, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Washington, Texas, Connecticut, Indiana, and Philadelphia. And that's not even a complete list. So all of those places within the span of a month or two had clown-related arrests for people mm-hmm. who had called in clown threats to schools. Yeah. And in some cases, it was just a kid, and then people would do copycats stuff Interesting. in many cases there were 18 year olds charged with felonies for calling this shit in
1: oh wow i mean i think it was the same time span but what i was remembering is our sophomore year of college all these creepy clowns were just showing up places like playgrounds at night and we're just ominously like hanging out by the woods.
0: This incident, at least according to from the New York Post, which is very reliable.
1: I um, listened to them for sports and then nothing else.
0: Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> there was actually no real clowns involved. Right. I don't know how anyone come across this. I would just research scary Creepy. clowns for like three hours.
1: Creepy clowns 2016, I think it was. Creepy clown craze sweeps the globe. Yeah, in 2016, in October.
0: Dude, how did I not come across this?
1: I'll literally send you this. How do you not remember this? It was when you were in college. There's so many like articles about like what's with all the clowns everywhere. Six legit possibilities.
0: So this is people actually dressing up as clowns.
1: Yeah, people were dressing up as clowns and holding like knives at night and like trying to scare people, like following them and stuff. It was actually scary. This is going around the entire globe.
0: Literally no recollection of this.
1: That's so wild. It's not something I've actively thought about, but I remember it really well.
0: That is so crazy. Okay. This says, yeah, in this one town.
1: 14 incidents in 24 hours. Nine
0: clown related reports, including one who was holding a knife and another a stick. Thames Valley police said it responded to 14 incidents in 24 hours over the weekend. In England, a clown with a knife followed four children into school.
1: Because of this, according to the Washington Post, I saw an article from October 29th in 2016, Germany announced a zero tolerance policy against creepy clowns ahead of Halloween because it gotten so bad across the globe.
0: How can you have a zero tolerance policy against clowns?
1: They're the Germans, though. They can do whatever they want. I guess so. They're very strict people.
0: And I can't believe I didn't come across this in my research. I can't
1: believe you didn't either.
0: That's so weird. I just researched scary clowns for like three hours.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It didn't show up when I tapped in Creepy Clowns until I put 2016. So okay, if you weird. if you don't recall when it happened or that it happened, I mean, it's hard to
0: find. Yeah, I got more of like the history of Scary Clown. Okay, so last thing. And I think this is something that you will really enjoy, Steve. Something to talk about on a future episode. Have you heard of the film, the 1988 film, Killer Clowns from Outer yeah, Space? Yeah, it's,
1: it's an amazing movie.
0: You watched it?
1: Yeah, I actually watched it during COVID. It's on Netflix.
0: All right. You should be doing the Killer Clown segment then.
1: Sure. I can walk you through it. I haven't watched it in a while. (laughs) I have a blog that I update every so often on our website about the best low-budget horror comedy films, and that's on there because I watched it, geez, I must have watched it back in, I watched it in 2020, like after October. So once you're doing this, it's a good movie. I highly recommend it.
0: So from what I can tell... Do
1: you want me to tell you what like the plot is? Yeah, yeah. Generally, without spoiling things. So generally the plot is there's these clown aliens that are like kind of horrifying looking clowns and their ship looks like a circus tent and it crash lands. And these like, teenagers are at this makeout place and they're like, oh, we gotta go check this out. And then they go inside of the thing and they, I think someone might get kidnapped or they escape and they tell the police what they found and the police are like this is the last time you guys are like causing trouble so they're in jail and then these like killer clowns are going around like turning everyone into popcorn and stuff turning them
0: into popcorn
1: they get killed too but uh yeah it's a really good 80s b movie i'm a huge fan of it
0: wow yeah i knew that would be right up your alley yeah I,
1: i think you might like it it's on netflix it's not a very long watch it's a fun film
0: i can't believe they turned them into popcorn that's so funny
1: I think that's one of the things they do. They also eat them and, like, actually murder them gruesomely. But some people get turned to popcorn and cotton candy.
0: I mean, it sounds kind of fun.
1: It's a really fun film. I actually love that one.
0: Well, that's all I got on Killer Clowns.
1: Nice. What about It? Have you ever seen It?
0: So I've seen It, but I didn't find it that scary.
1: The new one or the original?
0: The new one.
1: Really? I thought it was pretty scary, but also I don't like jump scares.
0: I didn't think it was that jump scary. Did you?
1: Yeah, it was very jump-scary when he like popped out of the toilet.
0: Okay, there was like like... that one scene where he's hiding in the grate.
1: And then there's another scene where he like, jumps at the screen. Jump-scares don't scare me. They just startle me. I don't like that, you know?
0: Oh, I love jump-scares. I love jump-scares and I love weird psycho thriller shit. But I, I didn't I think it movie. was very scary at all. I thought it was creepy.
1: I mean, it's also not as scary because we're adults and he only attacks teenagers and children. Yeah. That element of it right there just makes it less scary. I mean, I thought it was a scary movie. I liked it. Jump scares, I don't do well with. They scare me for like two minutes at most and then I'm perfectly fine afterwards. I'm just annoyed. But a good, really scary movie sticks with you.
0: Well, what do you mean?
1: Paranormal activity is 100% jump scares. So once you leave the theater, you're not scared because nothing actually scary happens when I see things jumping at you.
0: Okay, yeah, I see what but you're then saying. then a
1: good horror movie, I'm trying to think of one, and of course I can't think of one. Well, of course, I need to use an example. But like a good horror movie, in my opinion, is one that leaves you kind of scared when it ends.
0: I would call that more of creepy than scary. So have you seen 13 cameras?
1: No, I don't think I have.
0: Oh my God. So the premise is that this couple buys this new house. Mm-hmm. And they're just living in the house, and sometimes the weird landlord comes over and he's like a really weird looking dude. Uh huh. And it turns out that he has hidden 13 cameras in the house and he's really creepy, like watching them all the time. Uh I won't give away anything else, but that's the premise of the movie. You watch this whole horrible thing, and then at the end of the movie, it says X hundred thousand number of. Houses each year in America are bugged with hidden cameras, and like, there's absolutely no laws against it. And then you're like, "Fuck! What if that's in every Airbnb that I've gone into? Like, someone oh yeah, I mean, me in the shower."
1: There was one that was in the news a few years ago that literally had like a sex swing. It was wild, and apparently there was a camera hidden in the chandelier. Oh, really? Of the uh sex room. But to be fair, we don't know like what those people are doing. It might not be for them. If you have a sex swing and a dedicated sex room, you're into some kinky shit. So I imagine that there is a chance that that camera was set up for them and not for the people, but who knows?
0: Yeah, that was probably like their job.
1: Yeah. But then again, it's scary. But if you're renting an Airbnb, wouldn't you kind of want to know if the people are trashing it?
0: That's not what I'm talking about. This was like a pedophile watching you in the shower and then it ends and it's like this many people have cameras in their house right now Mm -hmm. and then you're like okay that's scary that's something that you can take away that you're like
1: no that's true that 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 is scary i mean i don't like all horror movies like this but i think a good horror movie leaves you like very unsettled i just don't think jump scares do that
0: it depends on the movie. I like a scary plot mixed in with some good jump scares. And what I don't really love is devil or demon shit. Yeah. Gore um, stuff
1: is not really my thing either.
0: Yeah, I'm not into the gore either. It
1: doesn't scare me. It's just the grossing you out part.
0: Yeah. I'm more into like, you know, this group of friends is having a house party in the woods. And then like someone's lurking in the forest. You like the like
1: slasher types? Yeah. I don't really watch horror movies anymore. It's not like watching them alone.
0: Yeah. I, growing up, would always watch them with my friends from high school. And now every time we get together, we always have to watch one.
1: I don't find it fun to be scared alone. Also, part of the experience of getting scared is being with people. It's like what they say about comedy is part of the reason that comedy shows are so great is that part of comedy is the experience of laughing with others. Mm -hmm. Because it's literally, it's a social thing, laughing. Yeah. I feel like being scared is similar.
0: I would not watch a horror movie alone. I feel like I've said this a hundred times. I'm a very scared person when I'm Mm -hmm. by myself. That's not for me.
1: So I have an idea. So you know, i would be a little baseball bat. You should get an upgrade. You should buy a hatchet because then you can chop wood with it and also chop off limbs if someone attacks you. Uh,
0: Where am I going to chop wood in my city apartment?
1: You go camping.
0: Yeah, but I don't chop wood when I go camping.
1: What if you need to start a fire?
0: I guess. <laughs> Maybe I should get I like I don't know what's like a cool weapon nunchucks.
1: <laughs> no, you're gonna injure yourself with those.
0: <laughs> Probably.
1: Yeah, you're gonna definitely get hurt using nunchucks.
0: <laughs> or like a butterfly knife. That's
1: illegal. <laughs> That's why you go like that. Yeah. So, butterfly knife. You don't even press the button. You just flick your wrist, which is why they're so illegal because it takes even less time to pull a knife and kill people. That's why they banned all switchblade knives because with that it's instantaneous. But we have to. Like, unfold your knife or unsheath your knife that gives you a couple seconds to think through what you're doing i think that's shown to reduce the chances that you stab someone to death because like oh wait this is a stupid idea
0: that's actually really interesting
1: when you had your butterfly knife it's like let's say we got an altercation all i do is pull it out and flick my wrist and i can stab you but if i can't do that to pull it out i have to lift it open and that buys you one or two seconds to save your life potentially yeah so yeah well, that was interesting. Spooky clowns coming to your neighborhood soon.
0: <laughs> Let's hope not.
1: So now we're going to back on track with more circus stuff. So like I said, I didn't really research the circus because that is a huge undertaking. When I searched history of the circus... I found an article that had seven other articles like, which iteration of the circus do you want to start with? I'm like, well.
0: Oh my God. This seems
1: like a week's worth of research, not one day. And I'm a little bit more interested in the idea of freak shows, or as they were called at the time, sideshows or pit shows. No one called these a freak show until the 1900s when people were trying to demean them and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about freak shows because as you'll see, like so sure, you can make an argument that's like demeaning to these people. We shouldn't be laughing or staring at their disability on the other hand there are some people who would have been cast away by society but they became millionaires because they were born with a genetic defect so i feel like on the one hand it's not really nice or acceptable to gawk at people because they're disabled or different but on the other hand we kind of have stripped away an opportunity for some of these people to become millionaires and have really luxurious lives And now a lot of them are like on disability or can't hold down jobs. So I have mixed feelings about it in that sense. I'll gladly be transparent on the fact that we're mostly talking about people who are successful, but there are a lot of these sideshow acts who did not make a lot of money and were broke anyway. But I think to some extent that has harmed people because there's an argument where people are like, oh, it's demeaning, blah, 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 look what they're doing to them. But the sideshow, the freak show is no different than the garbage you watch on TLC. It's like my 600,000 pound life or like- (laughs) living being a uh, dwarf or whatever or look at these fucking weird people with weird conditions like we're doing the same thing just on TLC now
0: no that's true I mean I think there's a few sides to the argument it might make some people successful but as you said not everyone is going to be that way and also it kind of creates a culture of these people are For our display.
1: Mm -hmm. So I was sort of had that mindset until I read something from people who are actually in these freak shows. They were making a really good living as a performer. And then everyone all of a sudden decided that they were unacceptable. And they all died in poverty because they couldn't get a job. Because all these people were like, oh, it's unacceptable to make fun of these people. But God forbid we support these disabled people in any capacity. Now all of a sudden they're making a fraction of what they're earning as a performer and then died. Very impoverished. Wow. So I have really mixed feelings about it, and I think I'm no longer leaning towards freak shows are wrong. I think it's kind of wrong for us to decide that people with these disabilities can't make a living in show business. You know?
0: Yeah. So well, tell, tell me more about freak shows. We're going to get
1: into the I'm history of it. No, so, freak shows date back to the 16th century, and the reason they do is because. In the 1600s, people stopped viewing physical deformities and abnormalities as bad omens or evidence of evil spirits possessing someone. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: rather than in the past where it's like, if you had something wrong with you, they're like, oh my God, you're possessed by the devil, chastised you or killed you. Now it's like, ooh, this is kind of interesting. So these people couldn't make money. So they started going around and making a little small amount of money going around and having people just look at them. And they're like, wow, the one weird motherfucker. And then yeah. they got paid. So there's no money in this really until the 19th century. And that's because of PT Barnum, which we're gonna get into because PT Barnum is sideshows. He invented them pretty much. We'll get into that in a little bit. So after this stuff became acceptable, there are a lot of businessmen throughout Europe who would scout out these people with abnormalities and scoop them up and shuttle them throughout Europe, and they'd share the fee. They'd make money. It was like a partnership. One of the earliest recorded freaks was Lazarus Colorado. Sounds like Colorado.
0: Colorado.
1: (laughs) Colorado. Lazarus was a very, very handsome man. It sounds like he would have been like a 10 out of 10 in contemporary times, except his unborn twin brother was growing upside down out of his chest.
0: Wait a second. What?
1: Yep. Imagine like, who's a really hot actor?
0: Like Zac Efron.
1: Zac Efron. Imagine like Zac Efron, except when he takes his shirt off, his identical twin- is in his chest upside down.
0: That wasn't like an alive person, right?
1: Debatable. What his is mouth.
0: Debatable. Like, could he.
1: His mouth. He could not speak. He didn't really have brain function, but there were some reports. This is also way, way back when. So who knows?
0: Was it like a separate person or was it? Yeah, that- it was a
1: separate person. It was a twin. He didn't have like a brain or anything, but his mouth could open and close. And his arms apparently would move sometimes.
0: Oh my God.
1: So imagine this like the hottest guy, but he takes his shirt off and his twin brother is just attached to his chest.
0: Okay. I'm not saying this is the case for this one, but aren't a lot of the freak show things fake?
1: No, a lot of them were genetic deformities. So we're going to get into that. So their backstories are all fake. That's the reason they sold because PT Barnum was incredible at creating fake backstories. But Mm -hmm. these people all had very unlucky genetic mutations, especially back in the 1800s.
0: Okay, I have a personal story about the circus, but I can...
1: We can save that for the end. I think when we do it, I want to pull up some pictures and show you them just so you get a visual. None of the people I talk about are particularly like, gruesome to look at, okay. but it's just good to know what they look like. Yeah,
0: I would like to see that guy.
1: There's only drawings of Lazarus because he was around in the 1640s. Oh,
0: okay.
1: There'll be a blog with this stuff. So P.T. Barnum, I assume you know who P.T. Barnum is?
0: I think so.
1: There was that musical, The Greatest Showman, or whatever. That's yeah, about P.T. Yes, Barnum. Yes. I will say, though, P.T. Barnum, not nearly as attractive as Hugh Jackman was. He had a very gross face, this guy. Really? I also don't think he was capable of singing well. So, in
0: Oh, I just looked up Lazarus. This is not what I expected. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not the most pleasant to look at. What'd you expect? A fetus is growing out of him.
0: Well, I thought it was literally like embedded in his chest.
1: You know, like, it depends on the drawing you see.
0: The drawings I'm seeing, it's like a person flopped over backwards. It's just a little bit attached to the belly button.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what he actually looked like. This is 1650. But he was apparently a very striking man. He always had to wear a cape, though, to hide his brother. Must have been difficult to get with the ladies with that thing oh growing out God. of
0: you. God. All
1: right, so P.T. Barnum. So P.T. Barnum grew up in Connecticut. And when he was 19 years old, he was working as a storekeeper and he was an early lottery ticket seller and he was making nearly 500 bucks a week, which today is equivalent to 10,700 bucks a week.
0: That's a lot of money. He was
1: reeling in the dough. And then in 1835, the US government passed an anti-lottery law and Barnum was out of work and he was inspired by tales he heard from England of these freak show people. So he purchased a blind, paralyzed slave woman. And fabricated a sensational story that she was a hundred sixty-year-old nurse who was George Washington's personal nurse, and he charged viewers to see her. He paid a thousand dollars for this slave and made a thousand dollars a week in eighteen hundred for pure. All right,
0: well, that's kind of fucked up.
1: It is fucked up. That's I mean, look, very it's
0: not kind of fucked up. Very fucked up.
1: P.T. Barnum is not a good guy. I mean, he was very good about sharing his money, except for this one. As you'll see, like, he was very, very good about sharing his money with these people. Even some of his black actors, he made millionaires. So, look, he did questionable things. It was 1800. So, it was to put that in reference. A lot of the shit that we're talking about here is really fucked up. But in 1835, there's nothing to do. It's like, let's go look at the freaks.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, buying a slave part. Yeah. what I was talking about, but... (laughs)
1: But then she passed away a year later, and the death report confirmed that she was only 80. But Barnum's viewers were so infatuated with the story, that they just didn't care. They were scammed. And that is what launched Barnum's career as one of the greatest advertisers and marketers on the planet. Yeah. This is his first big break was in 1842. So he pulled off his first major hoax. Do you know what the Fiji mermaid is? Tell me. Google the Fiji mermaid. The Fiji mermaid is literally a juvenile monkey's upper torso sewed to a fish's tail.
0: Steve, this is the story I was going to tell you.
1: Oh, really? You saw it? Yes. You saw the real one?
0: I don't know if it was the real thing or not, but I was at the New York State Fair and there was Ripley's Believe It or Not tent. Yeah. And this was one of the first things that was in there when we walked in was this like i'm looking at a picture of it right now
1: that's incredible
0: (laughs) ripley's believe it or not they don't tell you if it's real or not yeah it's just like here it is so i was expecting to go in and see all this crazy shit and then i just go in and see a monkey sewn to a fish yeah i was like where the fuck am i
1: (laughs) that's so funny that's what made him famous He did not create this. So this specimen was originally sold to an Englishman by Japanese sailors in 1822 for $6,000, which in today's money is $103,500 in today's money. Someone paid that much money for that thing.
0: Did they think it was real? Of course. Yeah.
1: It was displayed for some time in London, and then it found its way to New York, where Barnum was able to negotiate to lease it for $12.50 a week. And he embarked on a major media blitz, convincing crowds it was real by forging news stories. And he even weaseled his way into the American Museum of Natural History. Whoa. And he made so much money that he was able to purchase the American Museum on Broadway. And throughout the 1840s, he introduced a rotating cast of... So freaks was not a term. He did not call these people freaks. I just wrote freaks. That's what the articles kept calling them. It's easier. Freaks, including midgets, giants, exotic animals, and anyone who would pique people's interest. And I love his advertising methods. He got some of the worst musicians he could find and had them all play music from the balcony in hopes that the awful noise people would people be like, what the hell is that? Let me go check it out.
0: Oh, so like to just get people into the theater?
1: Yeah, because people are like, who the hell is playing music so badly? And then they'd show up and be like, oh, what's this? Let me check it out.
0: That's actually hilarious.
1: So unfortunately, this five story museum doesn't exist anymore because it was burnt down twice. Oh, wow. Which is a shame because we could have visited it in Manhattan.
0: I'm just still stunned that I saw the Fiji Mermaid.
1: Yeah. All right. So after the success of the Fiji Mermaid and his museum, where he was bringing in like 400,000 people a year, which is pretty good back then. Mm -hmm. And then he heard of his, actually his cousin named Charles Stratton. So he had normal sized parents and he was growing at a normal rate. Until he turned six months old, when he stopped growing and measured 25 inches tall and only weighed 15 pounds. By the age five, he hadn't grown a single one. 15 pounds. Don't look at it quite yet. I'll tell you when. But okay, Barnum partnered with his cousin and basically he taught his nephew how to sing, dance, and impersonate famous people, such as Napoleon Bonaparte and Cupid, and 1844 took him on his first tour of America. You should uh, Google his name now and see what it looks like. And look at the images of him dressed as Napoleon. It's actually hysterical. Hang on, because this is someone who's 25 inches tall pretending to be Napoleon.
0: That's actually hilarious. Oh my God! There's like drawings of him that make him look like a doll.
1: So at this point, he was five years old. So in 1844, Barnum took him on his first tour of America. And he rebranded Stratton as General Tom Thumb, the smallest person who ever walked alone. And told onlookers, the five-year-old was actually 11 years old. And after incredible success in the U.S., the two of them embarked to Europe, where they met Queen Victoria, who became enamored with the act, and Stratton became an international superstar. Wow. By the late 1860s, Bonham made Stratton a rich man. For the better part of 15 years, he was paid upwards of $150 a week, which in today's money is 4100 bucks a week. And that's like the minimum he was being paid for his performances. So he only worked for 15 years. He retired in Manhattan in a very fashionable neighborhood. He owned a steam-powered yacht and wore only the finest clothing. So I did wow. some calculations. In today's money, from his show, he made a minimum of $3,198,000. That's the minimum amount of money he made. Wow. So he ultimately married another little person and they had a happy life and he lived till 40.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of them right now. Looks like they have a really sweet family.
1: Yeah. I was surprised how much money he made. Yeah. And he lived a very lavish lifestyle. That's the thing is obviously not everyone made this much money. But when people talk about the freak shows, I think there's a lot of uneducated stuff where they like to talk about it as if everyone's being super exploited when objectively... A lot of them were making more money than we are right now. Yeah. So the Europe tour made Barnum so freaking rich. He almost bought William Shakespeare's house.
0: Oh my God.
1: But he decided not to. He decided to invest his money in his museums. And he built his biggest one, which is currently in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is a circus museum. I'd actually be kind of interested in checking out post-COVID.
0: It's a circus museum? Yeah. That's pretty sweet.
1: I think it'd be really cool. It's like circus history. I think it'd be a really interesting place to check out. Fun fact, Abraham Lincoln invited General Thumb to perform at the White House. Really? Yeah.
0: Like, what would he do to perform? He would
1: sing and dance and do celebrity impersonations.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: So uh, it's just a fun little piece of trivia I found.
0: That's pretty sweet. How you know you made it.
1: I know, seriously. Okay, so this next character is William Henry Johnson, who was born an impoverished newly freed man in New Jersey in 1842. And he had a very subtle physical deformity called microcephalia. And basically, his head was kind of canonically shaped. And a local showman exaggerated and made him a performer. His name is William Henry Johnson, or he goes by Zip.
0: Zip. Sounds like a drug dealer name.
1: Call me Zippy.
0: What does that mean that his head was shaped like...
1: Literally do William Henry Johnson and Zip, because that's a white guy. And this guy is not white. He's also known as Pinhead. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the most noticeable thing in the world that he has. So in 1860, P.T. Barnum recruited him and transformed him into Zip and gave him a new backstory so they could sell him, right? He was pitched as a different race of human found during a gorilla trekking expedition near the Gambia River in Western Africa. So Darwin recently published his Origin of the Species and Zip was promoted as a missing link. Because that just master like, like, hey, look at this funding that just came out. We yeah. have a missing link. And Barnum displayed Zip in a cage and ordered. what I understand is Zip played everyone. He made so much fucking money. Barnum displayed Zip in a cage and ordered him that he must only grunt. And this is at the start, right? And he paid him a dollar a day to keep quiet and stay in character. And Zip also purposely played the violin so badly that people would pay him to stop playing.
0: Wow. Maybe we should do that.
1: Maybe. And he quickly became a superstar and even garnered the attention of Charles Dickens. And Barnum paid him really well for his efforts. He was paid $100 per performance and he usually performed 10 times a week. And Barnum also purchased him a lavish home in Connecticut. Wow. Zip was also known for more than just his backstory. He was a very upbeat guy. And one guest even wrote, he amuses the crowd and the crowd amuses him. Zip's showmanship outlived barnum who died in 1890 something and he was performing well in his late 80s and he was also a super masterful marketer just like barnum and he literally in 1925 you know what this scopes trial the evolution one no so that was a trial where they're like evolution's fake basically and you can't like teach it in school or some shit like that and zip Ever the brilliant marketer, offered himself as living proof of evolutions, which generated massive publicity and made him even more money.
0: Wow.
1: Though he played the fool his entire life and was exploited, Zip was frugal with his money and he retired a multimillionaire. So reportedly on his deathbed, he told his sister, quote, we fooled them for a long time. And basically he was implying that for decades he'd been conning not only the audience, but the sideshow operators who believed he was mentally incapacitated, but he was a really bright guy. So he was just like, fuck you. I'm going to pretend I'm really stupid. And then just like scam all this money out of you guys. Cause you're thinking you're negotiating with an idiot, not me. (laughs) (laughs) So good for him.
0: I mean, some of this stuff is pretty racist, but. It is,
1: but it's, this is like 1840. Yeah. This is before the civil war. This is very exploitative stuff, but these people were rich. So. Do you know about Chang and Eng Bunker, the Siamese twins who invented mm-hmm. the term? hmm They're the next on our list. Chang and Eng Bunker. I actually had to look up what they looked like because they had 21 kids. I needed to see if they shared a penis or not because I was really wondering that. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> no, no. They're conjoined by, like, the shoulder. Because I was wondering, like, they had two wives. So how would that work?
0: <laughs> that would be really... I mean, those also, people are probably into that.
1: Maybe. We'll get into all that stuff in a bit. 1811, yeah. in a small fishing village in Siam, Chang and Ang were born as conjoined twins, and they're connected by a four-inch ligament at the chest. A British merchant hired them to travel Europe and America for three years, and the two split from the showman and started their own American sideshow and became superstars. So the term Siamese twin was actually created by a doctor who witnessed the two perform.
0: Interesting. So
1: they did this all independent, too. So in 1838, when they were 29 years old, they retired with $60,000, which is 1.3 million in today's money. And they settled down on a 100 acre farm in South Carolina where they operated a plantation.
0: When you're conjoined twins, like, do you have the same finances and stuff?
1: I think you kind of are forced to be the same person because. How arguing, are you going
0: to do anything apart?
1: Yeah, you'll die if you get separated. So it's like.
0: But, like, how did they have two separate wives? Is what know, I want to know.
1: I mean, they're just conjoined like here. They're, they're like seeing an arm here. And there's. Yeah,
0: how do you meet somebody and you're. Wife doesn't, I don't know.
1: It is weird. I agree. So they changed their last name to Bunker and they became naturalized citizens. Oh, and then they met a pair of sisters who they wed. So they, oh, married-
0: they were sisters? Yeah. That's kind of freaky.
1: So they built two separate houses and traded off three-day time slots. So for three days, they'd live in one house with one wife and for three days, they'd live in the other house with the other wife.
0: Okay, um, that's kind of cute.
1: And they fathered 21 kids between them.
0: Jesus.
1: I think it's probably different if you're conjoined for life. Wouldn't it be kind of awkward watching the person-
0: Attached to? A you? couple feet
1: away from you have sex?
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not. Because like, are you... I, I wonder if they're both involved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but would that like, be you know, cheating?
0: I don't know, but that's pretty awkward if one of them's just laying there. Just <laughs> laying <laughs> there? Just waiting for it to be over?
1: That'd be so awkward. It had to
0: happen at least 21 times.
1: Minimum 21 times.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot more.
1: Jeez. I didn't really think about that. All I needed to know was, do they share a penis and they don't? Because I was wondering that. (laughs) So then in 1850, they ran out of money and got back into the freak show game. And they performed under, you guessed it, P.T. Barnum. And for the next 20 years, they intermittently performed. And in 1879, the two died four hours apart and their wives and 21 children were left a massive fortune. Hmm. So I was wondering about that. If just one twin died, I imagine the other one has to die, too, because you're kind of stuck together. Imagine all that dead weight, and you have a decaying corpse attached to you.
0: Yeah, I feel like they probably share blood, too.
1: Yeah, they share organs and stuff. They have two brains, I
0: think. Yeah, so... I wonder, do you think they have, like, telepathy? Like, do they have the same thoughts?
1: I'm really curious about that because I know they're technically two people, but they're physically attached to each other, so I wonder.
0: I feel like they do have separate thoughts.
1: I think so. Because, yeah, their brains aren't connected. It's just they have separate brains. They must have separate thoughts.
0: Yeah. I don't know.
1: Okay. So we're on to the next guy. And this is the only person who is in the freak show trade by choice. His name is George Costensus, and it was America's first tattooed side act. And he was so committed to his character that actually very little is known about who he actually is. But we know a ton about his character. He's Greek and Persian.
0: Okay. I have a picture of him on.
1: So that's what this guy looks like. There's no photos of him. It looks like there's just drawings.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's a picture of a guy with weird nipples that I don't want to click on. Yeah. I so... It was the first tattoo. guy. he had 338 tattoos that covered nearly every inch of his body. And they're all incredibly ornate. They depicted Burmese-specific species and symbols from Eastern mythology, snakes, elephants, storks, gazelles, dragons, plants, and flowers of all sorts. So according to his origin story, he had been on a military expedition in Burma when he and three other soldiers were captured by natives and offered a choice to either be cut into pieces from head to toe or receive full-body tattoos and be liberated they could survive the excruciating process. And obviously, the soldiers are like, we'll get a bunch of tattoos and a chance to not die. And apparently- all Why them,
0: would that be like an option?
1: Because it was like, if you don't die during it. And then three months later, they were finished. And Contentius was the only one to survive. All right, his name's impossible to pronounce. He's going to be Tattoo Guy from now on. <laughs> to convince the world his story was true, he went so far as to publish a 23-page book in 1881, documenting every detail of his alleged experience. And it wasn't until much later when he attained a ton of fame and wealth that he admitted it was all fake and just for fame and wealth. So his plot worked.
0: Yeah, so he just had, again, like a totally fake backstory. Yeah,
1: he had a fake backstory too. And his talent is like fake because he's tattooed. But these other people we've talked about were just genetic deformities. And they're good actors too. Yeah. So in 1870, tattoo guy signed with P.T. Barnum, and became American Museum's highest grossing act, he was raking in a thousand bucks a week. All he did was have tattoos. That's 37k a week in today's money.
0: Yeah, but you really have to commit.
1: But he made like, a lot of money. He, he
0: was just a normal dude and then went and got all these tattoos and committed yeah. to the bit.
1: I mean, I don't know how normal he is up here, but Compared to the guy who was like two feet tall, he's a normal dude. When Tattoo Guy finally died, he donated half of his money to the Greek church and the other half to fellow freak show performers who were not lucky enough to make the big bucks.
0: That's really nice.
1: Yeah. So next guy is Fedor Jifchu. He was born with a condition where his face was covered in hair in 1873 and he was destined to follow his father's footsteps, Adrian Jitchu who was known throughout Europe as the, quote, Siberian dogman, who was also born with hair like fur all over his body. And he was highly superstitious and believed that both he and Fedor were on the receiving end of divine punishment. And you know what I was thinking? Wouldn't this perfectly explain, Bigfoot, if there is a human condition we have reported where you get covered head to toe in fur?
0: Yeah, but I mean, then those people just go to the woods. Well, I don't know. I
1: mean, I'll say the modern ones, but let's say like any ancient thing. Maybe a Yeti is a dude who was cast away because he has fur like hair from head to toe.
0: Maybe. And maybe there's a society of them living maybe. in the yeah. woods.
1: And that would explain why they keep existing because they keep reproducing and passing on those bad genes. Maybe. Maybe. Just one setting of that perfectly explains Bigfoot. If you have a guy who's like six, seven, people are bad at gauging height. All this is one guy with seven to have this condition to be covered head to toe in fur. People would be like, Bigfoot.
0: Bigfoot. I mean, yeah.
1: I was also thinking that could be, I mean, werewolves have other implications, but could be an explanation for werewolves too.
0: So does he just have hair on his face or all over? All over. He's a hairy guy. <laughs> I guess so. Jeez.
1: So his father died when he was 16 years old and Fedor became a ward of Russia. The Russian government's taking care of him, which is not the government you want managing your welfare. <laughs> no. By this time, he was covered with long, silky, fur-like hair that grew in thickets all over his face and body. So this guy's covered in fur. Although he is publicly perceived as animalistic and a savage person, he was actually a very smart, inquisitive person, very soft-spoken and shy. And he was adopted by a very cold-hearted showman and brought to England, an advertised boy who was raised by Siberian wolves. And P.T. Barnum saw the act and actually purchased his contract and transitioned him to the U.S. in 1884. And Fedor became Jojo the dog-faced boy. And he was paid money. I guess his hands aren't furry. That's interesting. Unfortunately, most of the photos are just his face, so I cannot confirm if his whole body is furry. I'm pretty sure it is, though.
0: I found a song called Dog-Faced Boy. (laughs)
1: So have you seen what Jojo the Dogface Boy looks like yet? Yes. So Fedor became Jojo the Dog Face Boy. He played a stereotype of what the Victorians believed a prehistoric man would have looked like. According to his origin story, he'd been found in a cave in the forest of central Russia, feeding on berries and hunting with a club. After enduring a bloody battle, the naturalists captured the beast. And they taught him to walk upright, wear clothing, and speak like a dignified human. Barnum dressed Fedor up in a Russian cavalry uniform and had him play up his savage nature. And throughout the 1880s, Fedor was among the highest paid performers netting 500 bucks a week, which is 13K in today's money. And He retired with $300,000 saved up in his bank account, which is a cool 7.6 million in today's money.
0: Damn. He kind of looks like, I can't remember his name. Yes, that's exactly who he looks like.
1: Can not you kind of see this? And- This is Bigfoot also.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see This is
1: objectively, if you get one of these people who's really tall, this is Bigfoot. The ears aren't protruding. The human-like face. The body's covered in fur and they're walking around the woods. This is Bigfoot.
0: I wonder if this is where the inspiration for Chewbacca came from.
1: That's an interesting question. So that's the end of that. Now we have to go into the sadder stuff, kind of the death of the freak show. Those are some of the most successful freak show performers who made a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so the death of the freak show. By the 1890s, freak shows began to lose their popularity, and by 1950, they had almost entirely vanished. One reason was that curiosity and mystery around these, quote, freaks were quelled by advances in medicine, and they were now diagnosed with real scientifically backed diagnoses. So basically, it's lost the luster because you know why they look like this. So basically, the same way that the internet kills a lot of things that are fun, like mysteries, science killed the fun of the freak show.
0: Did people actually believe the stories behind them?
1: Yeah, they did. That's the reason that he made so much money.
0: But I thought it was just fun. He kind of knew it was fake, but like... I don't really know.
1: They didn't really go into that, the research I did. Yeah. But I think to some extent, people bought it. Or actually, maybe they didn't buy it. Because I think if they bought it, for example, the first story of The Slave wasn't actually 160 years old. No one was upset with him because it was a good story. And they got joy out of hearing the story. So yeah. maybe it's like, yeah, we knew it was fake, but it was a good tale. No, I, I think they did believe it because he went through so much effort. To legitimize the Fiji mermaid. Mm-hmm. So I really think that these people believe this. The other issue is that spectators also became aware of the grave nature of the conditions these performers had. And they weren't really like, oh, that's not like exciting or wonderful. I kind of feel bad for these people. Yeah. Also, TV and movies really harmed it because now you could just watch freaks as in movie monsters, not necessarily whenever back then, but they're on your TV, you go to a movie theater, you don't have to travel to a circus to check out the sideshow.
0: And like you said, it's kind of like the origins of the weird shit people watch on TLC. It is.
1: So the real nail in the coffin, actually, as funny as it sounds, is disability rights. Because after that became an issue, it all of a sudden just like that became like... That I don't know why I mm-hmm. fucked up my snap. All right, so like, like that. Oh my god, like that. Oh my god, I gotta get a good one. Like that became Keep all
0: of those in.
1: I will, <laughs> I actually will. Became socially unacceptable to take delight in other people's physical deformities and misfortune. Which, like, sure, I do agree with that, like, you don't want me laughing at someone in a wheelchair, but I do feel bad for these people who all of a sudden can't make a living. Yeah, so there's been a moral debate around freak shows since the 1860s like people arguing that freak shows had been exploitative and demeaning. And most early side show performers were taken advantage of and manipulated and forced into the industry unwillingly, which is one of the big issues. Like I said, the only guy out of all those famous people I listed who was in it by choice was Captain Kana Tenus, the tattooed guy. Mm-hmm. By the mid 20th century, the remaining performers migrated into traveling carnivals or museums, making a fraction of what they did prior And they pretty much all died, except for the ones who made a ton of money. The rest of them who had a good living doing this all died in poverty because everyone in society was like, we can't treat disabled people like this, but let's not hire them or give them a quality of life. Let's just take away their only way of making money. So that's really it for Sideshows. You can sort of see now why I'm a little torn on the idea. Early on, I was like, oh, it's kind of fucked up to laugh at people for their deformities. But at the same time, all of a sudden, you're completely stripping away their only means to make money, probably make good money.
0: But I think there are better ways to help those kind of people.
1: (laughs) There are, but the point is... Those ways to help those people don't earn them $7.6 million, you know?
0: Yeah. But I mean, only the select few are doing that.
1: I know. But now there's no opportunity for those people to make that money. I personally won't go to this. I don't like looking at gross things. So this is not my cup of tea, but I do feel bad for these people in some extent, especially back then, all of a sudden- in the 1800s, there's no social safety nets. In 1890,
0: no, and that's gonna be hard to go from. Oh my God, you're the world's biggest star. To
1: I feel bad. Nothing,
0: just like yeah. that.
1: It's like oh, I feel so bad for you. I was the number one performance in the world. Yeah. So sideshows are actually a uniquely American thing. They were brought to the rest of the world, but PT, I don't remember I said this, but PT Barnum's the guy who invented the sideshow and sideshows aren't always people like this magicians too. And the whole idea of the sideshow is it's a way to make extra money while people are waiting to go in to see the main act.
0: Uh, Oh, like the circus.
1: Yeah. It's the sideshow to the circus.
0: So do you want to hear what else I saw at the Ripley's Believe It or Not? Yes, I actually do. So the only two things I remember are the Fiji Mermaid and the one thing that I really wanted to see, and you had to pay an extra ten dollars to see it. So you had already paid to get into the Ripley's tent, yeah, and then you had to pay an extra ten dollars to get in. Was the world's smallest horse? And <laughs> get in there, and Steve, it's literally like you're standing on this platform and then 10 feet below you it's just a regular miniature horse but you're looking at it from above so it looks small i guess but like it was just a normal horse
1: that is the best grift i've ever heard you got screwed
0: well it was just so funny because they really hyped it up like you had to pay an extra ten dollars to get in to see the world's smallest horse and then it was just A normal miniature horse. And you're looking at it from above. You can't even see what it looks like.
1: That is awful, but really funny. That's giving me an idea. So once we're vaccinated, we should go to the International Cryptozoology Museum and meet- Where is that? It's in Portland, Maine.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And the reason I thought of that is because the only Ripley's Believe It or Not museum I've ever been to was in Portland, Maine.
0: I also went to one in Niagara Falls.
1: Yeah, there is one there. I live in Niagara Falls.
0: You used to live in Niagara Yeah, for
1: a summer, I worked there in Buffalo.
0: Oh, this was on the Canadian side, but still.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I know it's not on the American side. The American side's trash. Yeah. You can do another episode even on the future isn't the circus, because the circus is creepy. Not even just the clowns. A lot of the stuff's creepy about it. We didn't even touch anything about the animal training, any of the trains. We used to go around by train, like the train wrecks and stuff.
0: yeah. I don't really know that much about the circus. I used to go when I was a kid, but now it kind of like freaks me out. And I feel like they don't really treat the animals well.
1: Oh, they abuse the animals. Yeah, it's not.
0: Yeah. It- when I was a kid, I'd be like, oh, we get to ride an elephant. Well, an the
1: then- elephant's been severely abused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been to that kind of circus. I have been to Circus LA and I hate Circus Alley. It's the worst
0: I haven't been there. It's
1: like French people in weird costumes doing flips and shit. And it's just not that interesting.
0: That sounds fun.
1: It's not that interesting. It's kind of fun. But then you're like, fuck, this is two and a half hours long. How often can I be astonished by people doing flips?
0: Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I or even like into my teen years, I thought that I really wanted to be a trapeze artist. Really? (laughs) But I've never tried it. And I also get really motion sick. So I don't think it's for me.
1: That's funny. So want to wrap up the episode? Let's do it. So here is a review from January 20th, 2021 by Squashzilla87. I don't think we read this one. I don't recall. It's titled a very fun show to add to your dot, dot, dot. That's the one problem is it does not show me the whole title. (laughs) Five stars. If you want a show with great hosts and interesting topics, then you have picked the right one. See, I read this one before.
0: Yeah, I kind of remember this one. I,
1: I don't remember this one. Okay. All right. This one's really quick, but whatever. So this one is from March 4th, 2021. It's titled Worth a Listen, Five Stars by Lily Fair. Such a great podcast. Always fun and interesting to listen to. Thank you, Lily. We appreciate that.
0: Thanks, Lily.
1: Make sure to tune in next week for our episode with Dr. Emily Zarka from PBS Monstrum. It should be fun. We're going to be talking cryptids, folklore, stuff like that. With someone who's actually an expert and doesn't just know what they're read, talking about. Doesn't just read a few articles and pretend to be an expert. <laughs> so, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five star review on your prefer- prefer-
0: Smash that like button.
1: preferred podcast
0: platform.
1: That's a hard one to say. It really helps us out. Buy our merch at our T Public Store. All the stuff is linked in our uh, description. Buy us a coffee. Emmy needs to write a romantic novel about the squonk.
0: Yes, so, a squonking um, to remember.
1: Yeah. What if we couldn't go fund me for a squonking to remember?
0: But I mean, then like-
1: Yeah, should write the money it. money
0: doesn't actually go to that. Is it like illegal? I think it is.
1: I mean, I think as long as some of the money goes to you writing it.
0: We'll look into that.
1: We know lawyers. We'll look into it. So, okay. I gotta stop playing with this remote control because it's making noise right next to my microphone. We also now have a fan art page. Please email us your fan art to misfitsmysteries at gmail.com. All right, Emmy, where can people find us?
0: Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at, at podcast underscore misfits. You can also find us on Facebook, Podcast Misfits on Facebook. And then we're also Misfits and Mysteries on YouTube.
1: Yes. Check
0: out our website, misfitsandmysteries.com. That's where you can find our blog, newsletter, sign up for the newsletter, fan art, really. Everything that we do, that's the home.
1: Everything. So stay spooky, Misfits.
0: Stay spooky, guys. Bye. Bye -bye.